When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network on this Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Happy New Year to all of our loyal viewers and listeners. We've got an all-star show today. Week 18 in itself can be tricky week to navigate and oftentimes some big betting opportunities. In order to sort through everything, uh, we combine Monday and Tuesdays the steam lineups. And I'm joined today by Cleve TA plus EV better, cleveanalytics.com. Suma, pro sports better creator on the Hammer Betting Network, and Sharp Clark, NFL originator, betting analyst at 444.com. Of course, this show is brought to you by Pinnacle. They're the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds, your trusted sports book. Bet smart, bet pinnacle, must be 19 plus in Ontario. Before we get the show on the road, I want everybody to hammer the like button. And if you're not already doing so, please subscribe to the channel. I want to pass the Hit the Books channel just so we can throw it in Kanisha's face. Um, let's have a moment of reflection, though, before we start the show. The season is, is here we are, week 18, and then the playoffs start. Uh, I want to ask each of you, and I'll start with you, Cleve. What's one team that surprised you, either uh, in a good way or a bad way? Uh, I'll say the the Rams for me, and maybe I, sh I should have looked a little deeper, but just based on their roster in the preseason, I knew that obviously Stafford is, is a good quarterback, but you had Cooper Cup coming off the ACL injury, and you know he was hurt uh, late in the offseason or late in training camp. We did not know about Puka Nakua, so that was clearly a, a you know uh, someone who who has helped this offense, especially when when Cooper Cup was out a ton. But just the rest of that roster, especially the defense, I, there was only I mean, as Aaron Donald and essentially nobody else is a bunch of uh, young rookies, uh, guys mid round draft picks. I think there was only one other kind of top three round draft pick on the entire defensive roster, uh, at least the starting roster. So it was hard for me to envision you know this level of of team. Uh, but I got to hand it to McVeigh and obviously having Nakua step up and, um, you know, they've all played well and, and the defense is, you know, come out of the blue to at least be league average. So uh, all those things you know, definitely surprised me from a from a win total perspective. Yeah, uh, we often talk about like the coordinators that are doing the best job this year and Raheem Morris uh, doesn't get brought up enough. He's done a great job. The Rams are my team as well. I think I bet their win total under and was uh, expecting a top five pick for them. Uh, Clark, what about you? Who's the team that surprised you the most in a good or bad way this year? It was either the Colts or the Texans, both surprised to the upside. But I got to go with the Colts because with the Texans, it was just CJ Stroud turned out to be awesome. With the Colts, they their starting quarterback got hurt and they still exceeded expectations by margin. And I think... The way that Shane Steichen took what was, I thought, a dead team going into the year in a full rebuild mode into a playoff contender, I thought was really impressive with all the injuries they had to deal with. So Col Colts for me. Suma, what about you? 
these guys stole my first two. Yeah, these, these are my top my two. I didn't come in. And Cleve saw Indy coming, so he's at least <laughs> off the hook with that one. Wait, Clark, wait, didn't Clark have the Rams? Did you have his Rams a surprise team? No, no, no I, I, was, I was optimistic on the Rams. That's what I'm saying. You had them in the upside. I had Indy on the upside. So it was like, yeah. you could have just traded thoughts on those. I know, yeah. We should listen to each other more. So what did we get right? Because uh, all these guys, these guys then have brought up what we got wrong. Um, then I will go with my fourth team, and that's the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, I I saw some upside cases for the Rams, for example, or for the Texans if, if Stroud is very good, but... I did not see it with the Bucks at all. Like I thought this would be a, a very bad football team. Um, I did not like Todd Bowles, who surprised me a lot with all these crazy fourth down decision, uh, decisions throughout the year. Baker Mayfield surprised me tremendously. He's really playing a great season, and I just did not see this Bucks team being at 9-7 and seven and looking at a wildcard spot come Week 18. Someone in this uh, chat did, and they predicted them to win the division. So um, let's walk through the playoff scenarios, guys, because uh, it feels like this year is more complicated than than most. And we got ton of engagement in the comments. And guys, fire away because we are going to answer a lot of good questions. But Jason, if you can pull off the playoff picture, and uh, let me see if I can do this in a succinct manner. Uh, the current seeds that are locked in, uh, the Ravens, as the one seed, the Chiefs as the three seed, the Browns as the five seed. Nothing will change those outcomes. Uh, for the two seed in the AFC, it's either going to be Miami or Buffalo. It will be the winner of that gets in. The sixth seed can be Miami. Um, if they lose to Buffalo, they would be locked in as the sixth seed. Otherwise, it looks like it's going to be the winner of Houston and Indy. And then finally, the seven seed could be one of numerous teams, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, uh, depending on the outcomes. And as we go through each game, uh, I'll walk you through how they get in so that I don't overload you with information right now. Uh, let's look at the NFC. The only seed that's locked in is San Francisco. Uh, Jason, if you can pull that back up. The two seed is likely going to be Dallas or Philly. Whoever wins their game, if Dallas wins, it'll be them as the two seed. If they lose and Philly wins, they'll be the two seed. And Detroit has an outside chance if they win and both Dallas and Philly loses. Realistically, though, it's going to probably be Dallas in the two seed, Detroit in the three seed. The five seed will be Philadelphia. And then the four seed will be the NFC South. The Bucs win and they're in. The Saints can win the division if they win and the Bucs lose. And Atlanta can win the division if they win and both the Bucs and Saints lose. Uh, half the job would be done because they would be the ones beating the Saints. And then the Rams are the most likely sixth seed. But if they were to lose and uh, Green Bay wins, then the Rams would be the seventh seed and the Green Bay would be the sixth seed. Seattle only gets into the playoffs if Green Bay and the Rams lose. And there's one other scenario if Minnesota gets in, and I'll, I'll save that for when we get there because of how unlikely it is. Not predictions, guys. Maybe uh, this is uh, futures equity. Who do you, or just as a fan, Suma, who do you want to see, uh, see get in? Like, which team do you want to make sure that they get in the playoffs? And then which team do you not want to see in the playoffs? So, uh, futures equity builds. 
I, I I find it very crazy, like sitting on a twenty to one AFC ticket, and that could go up in flames on like Sunday night, which is yeah. pretty crazy to think about. From an entertainment perspective, I would like to see the Texans with CJ Stroud. Um, I think the Packers would be a little bit more fun than the Seahawks. Um, there's a very very tiny chance scenario that the bears get in i mean it's like 0.1 percent or something which yeah. would be incredible because i absolutely love chaos in general um also from an entertainment perspective i don't necessarily need the jaguars to be in like they are really running out of gas in my opinion their their offense they are dealing with injuries and if you could get me like i don't know um two more fun teams uh, on offense in, I would probably prefer that over Jacksonville. Just Cleveland Jags. Cleveland Jags would be like the worst week one playoff game, right? We all agree that that's the one we probably don't want to no. watch. <laughs> we don't not all agree with the Browns, but because of the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it's the Jags, Cleveland. It's not, it's not Joe Flacco. Clark, um, you tweeted something out like, has there ever been a team that's like the third or fourth favorite to win the Super Bowl that could theoretically not make the playoffs entering week 18. Like, this is a little crazy town now, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I have way too much leverage on the Bills right now that it feels super uncomfortable. Um, I really love to see the Bills, and not just for my futures equity, but because they, you know, they're a good team that would make the playoffs more interesting. Really don't want to see the Steelers. They have no business. They have no chance of going deep. Um, I would like to see the Texans, uh, you know, now that Stroud is healthy again, I think they're just a more exciting team to have in the playoffs than the Colts. And then on the NFC, I'd love to see the Packers make it because I've really been enjoying watching Jordan Love grow over the course of the year. And maybe they even get Christian Watson back and make some noise on offense. And also they're, they're one of those teams that has a great offense and a really bad defense. And so I just love when there's more excitement in playoff games. Um, and then for the NFC South, I'd, I'd like to see the Saints make it. I know that uh, that's unlikely because it will require the Panthers to beat the Bucks. But I just think that they're the best team in the NFC South. And I think that they might be a little bit underrated. So there might be some value on them going into the playoffs. You know, we joke about how the AFC was the gauntlet, but, you know, attrition has cost uh, a lot of great quarterbacks in the AFC to go down. The NFC might have a wild card team of Philly, Rams, and Packers who are all kind of frisky and dangerous. And then the AFC is a bunch of like, we don't have our quarterback or, you know, we're just stringing it all together. Um, Cleve, who do you want to see in and who do you want to see, uh, whether it's from an equity position or if it's just from a fan standpoint? So I do have a decent amount of equity positions on. I have uh, the Colts to win the AFC South. So I have a nice ticket there. So that would be, that's definitely one that personally I would love to see. Obviously, if it wasn't for that, I'd, I'd rather see CJ Stroud in the playoffs because I actually think, you know, they could at least um, rattle some cages with, with, with him in there. Uh, but from a pure monetary perspective, the Colts for sure. Uh, and then in the NFC, I have Green Bay to win their division. That's gone. So, I, but I've got some alts and to make the playoffs. So that's both on the line. So I want to see that. Plus, I think that with Jordan Love, their upside case is much higher than than something that you know seattle can give you um so uh i'll go with green bay uh, i think it's gonna i think the nfc is pretty fun the wild card games you know if you can get you know whoever plays detroit whether it be the rams or the packers are going to have a legitimate shot and they're both going to be yeah. track meets which shouldn't be fun that's going to be the most entertaining round one game likely unless you know unless we get miami kansas city 
but I, I think that's going to be um, – that, that matchup is going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure, and we already saw the Rams go to Dallas and get blown out. Uh, I, I think Green Bay's defense <laughs> would be in trouble against Dallas as well. So I think either one of those teams against Dallas is in trouble. But I think, um, you know, against the against the, uh, the Lions, either one has a real shot. So uh, those are probably, for me, uh, you know, who I want to see in there. All right, let's talk about I'll week say, 18. Oh, yeah, Suma. Do we all agree that Rams at Detroit is probably the greatest matchup in terms of storylines yeah. and stuff like that? Oh, yes. <laughs> especially, oh, yeah. Staff, game. especially if Stafford wins, because like there's this perception that both teams <laughs> won the trade. But if Stafford beats them again, it's like, no, the Rams just full out won this <laughs> trade in a big way. Don't it don't bring that up, by the way, on Twitter, because people the Detroit fans will come after you. I brought it up one as kind of a joke that it's a, a Stafford Stafford revenge game like a couple weeks ago. And like I had all these Lions fans come at me because they said, no, it was very amicable. What are you talking about? I was like, oh, but I'm just just, you know, just making a joke. Relax. Like they'll get mad because they, they're very protective of that trade and, and the Stafford years. So but that would definitely be I, I, what do you think that line is? Uh, is it three and a half, three? Are we looking uh, kind of a field goal number or you think uh, you think it's on the three? I mean, what I would that total's got to be low fifties, right? 52? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's definitely a fun one. Would be a fun one. Uh, yeah. You know, no no city has had like a more action-packed week than uh, Michigan, the state of Michigan. They get their college football team winning with a last-minute drive against Alabama. They uh, The Detroit Pistons finally won a game against the Toronto Raptors, and then uh, Detroit Lions had the controversy against Dallas. Like, there's not a boring moment in Detroit uh, – talk sports let's talk about week 18 cleave i went to try to price some of this stuff and usually i do it before looking at the the market and seeing the discrepancies and then i realized this is like a fool's errand like some of this stuff is so out of whack how do you handle the dynamic of week 18 especially with questionable motives uh some some games have dual questionable motives and some just have one yeah, I mean, it's always hard and it's more information news based um, for the most part than anything. I mean, I do. I think there's a couple kind of rules in place for me personally. Um, one is and you'll hear this uh, a lot this week. So this isn't like earth shattering, but uh, don't uh, the teams that are motivated to win, like to win, to get in usually are overpriced versus the teams that are you know, out of it. So we've got a couple cases, you know, Jags Titans is a perfect example of that. Um, where you'll typically see, you know, uh, an extra point or two on the team like Jacksonville that that the motivation is there that everyone thinks is going to play harder to win. Um, th those teams are typically overvalued. But, you know, so it, it historically, and this is like 20 plus years that I've been tracking this kind of the, the last two weeks of an NFL season when it's purely win or, or you're out versus a team that's already eliminated. Um, mm -hmm. just fate, you know, just fading those teams that are, that need to win have, has hit like 63% against the spread for the last 20 years. Um, you know, it's not as, uh, you know, I think as more people uh, are aware of this kind of trend, it's been a little bit more, you know, closer to, to kind of low fifties in the last couple of years, but still it's something to keep an eye on. It's not automatic just because you have to win and you're motivated to win that you're going to win. So I think, you know, keep that in mind when you're looking at some of these games. I mean, you look at like Seattle, Arizona, that's a, that's an opposite case where the number is not inflated because it's actually gone towards Arizona. So that's one that you might want to like, you know, keep an eye on. 
Um, and I wouldn't necessarily back uh, blindly in that case. But, you know, the Jags, Tennessee is a perfect example of one that that could be in that category. And then just in general, just, re- you know, responding to news. I mean, this is like as, as soon as a coach makes a declaration that he's either going to sit or play starters um, or certain guys are out or, or whatever. Um, and you might get like surprise quarterback starting over a veteran. It might be a young guy on a team that is you know, kind of like the, the the Jared Stidham case, you know, last week or even last season uh, with Derek Carr, you might get one of those out of the blue this week. So keep an eye on that, you know, respond quickly. And it's not just the team. If something like that happens where a, a coach is going to sit starters um, or, you know, opposite, it's not just the direct involvement with the team that you want to fade or back. It's the domino effect. So how does that increase or decrease the win probability of a team that needs that that other team to lose or win, you know, so so pay attention because it's that second order that usually has the biggest delay, I think, in the market. Uh, and last year, I know you were going to talk about, I think it was Cincinnati was playing Baltimore at one o'clock. And um, as soon as I think Tyler Huntley was declared out, Anthony Brown was a starter, the, the Cincinnati line shot up like three or four points. But that them winning made the Chargers Broncos game at four o'clock. Um, essentially meaning meaningless. So that decreased the odds that the Chargers were supposedly going to start their or play their starters. So that yeah. line flipped from I think Denver plus three and a half to minus three. Uh, but that took a little while. It wasn't automatic. So you could have done, uh, you know, if you missed the Cincinnati play, you could have taken a money line parlay, which I ended up doing with with Cincinnati and Denver um, and got good odds, or just take Denver. So it took a little while for the market to react. So it's not necessarily the first order, it's the second order if there's a domino effect. So those are a couple of things that I personally like to keep an eye on in, in the final week. Oh, and then you just got to uh, hope that the coach figures out uh, not after three and a half quarters that they need to pull their starters like Brandon Staley made all of us sweat last year for no no reason. There was also the, um, remember the uh, dynamic of if Jacksonville beats Indy two years ago, then all of a sudden the Chargers and Raiders can play for a tie and like people were betting a mispriced line and then it got down so low and then people started betting a line that no longer had value and it was it was kind of very wild the prices people were betting. I guess I'll ask this for Clark and Suma. Um, preseason is often informational, right? We we scour, we, we hear some news and we fire and react. Is week 18 in some instances treated the same where it's like, we need to find out uh, intentions of playing roster and then you react. Suma, I'll start with you. Yes, uh, I think TA touched on the key points already. Um, I I like to separate like these, these slates into buckets like uh, games where I have like more confidence that both teams have a lot of motivational angles, um, are not going to rest like several key guys. Uh, for instance, like um, Bills Dolphins. I mean, we can make the case that the Dolphins might have 99% of a motivational edge and not 100% with with all their injuries. But in general, there are games where, where you are pretty confident that both teams are going to play for something. I mean, Bears, Packers, like Packers fighting for a wildcard spot. The Bears have that tiny percentage, but we will talk about it. I think that the Bears will be like 100% going into this game trying to trying to spoil the Packers playoff hope. So these are the games where you can be pretty sure. Then there is Chiefs Charters, for example. Like Charters have nothing to play for interim head coach. Uh Keenan Allen is basically or is already out for the season. They're going to play 
some young guys. Um, they have nothing to play for. Chiefs are, are also likely going to rest their starters because they can't really do much. So I really try to think or um, sort these games into buckets. And there there will be games where where there's so much uncertainty where you basically have to react to like some informational pieces, uh, whether it's from coaches and stuff like that. And you have to be at your computer all the time and uh, because the market will crush this uh, very quickly. Um, and then I, I would rather, uh, that's a personal preference, I would rather focus on the games where I'm pretty sure that both teams um, have a lot to play for. And um, these are much easier to price for me. Yeah, Clark, you, you've often said in the past, you stand, stay away from stuff like motivational spots or like crazy weather spots. And you just like, how do I like these two teams and how they match up against each other? What do I make a line? Is this a week where you basically eliminate half the games off the board because because of the uncertainty or, or how do you approach week 18? Not exactly. I, I try to focus kind of like Suma said on on games where I feel like I, you know, both teams are trying to win. But there are situations where every game is different. And, and I think if you have an understanding of how each team operates, then you can react to the changes that you see. Like, I'm never going to beat the information of some of the professional bettors that have those inside sources. So I'm not trying to beat the lines before they move. But what I'm trying to do is say, okay, if this happens, what do I make the game under those circumstances? Um, and so in some cases, like, every motivational angle is different. Like, some teams like Cleveland they should rest everybody. Like they shouldn't play anyone. They're playing next week and they can't do anything. And then maybe one step down from that is teams like Baltimore and San Francisco, where it's a bit more complicated because they're not playing for two more weeks. They're not thinking about the game plan of, you know, what they're going to do in two weeks. They're, they might need to get their guys in for a half, for a quarter, something like that. So it's a little bit more complicated. You start looking at, you know, first half lines and things like that. But any team that's been eliminated from the playoffs, I view as a team that wants to win. And that's been a very strong angle for years. There's nobody's tanking. Nobody on the field is tanking. Sometimes GMs will tank. And so that might impact inactives for guys that are marginally healthy. And you got to watch out for that. But once those guys take the field, the coaches and the players in almost every case try to win the game. And so sometimes you can, you can find some value on teams that are perceived to be tanking. And that's been true for the last couple of weeks. And it should be true this week as well. Although that, right. I will say that it's true, although it's difficult because there are, you know, there are veteran defenders out there that are not going to, they're going to olay some tackles and, and kind of get out of harm's way. And it's impossible to handicap, but I just, I, there nobody's tanking, but there's definitely, I think guys making business decisions in the final week of a season, especially if they've got a contract situation coming up and those sorts of things. But again, I, I agree with you in general. It's just, it's just hard to handicap that uh, either way. Okay. Well then l let's talk about the first game, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, because we've had some comments in the chat that, why is Pittsburgh favored by three and a half? Um, Suma, they're going to likely, uh, Ravens are likely going to sit some starters. Uh, Harbaugh's a pretty competitive guy. He likes even winning preseason games uh, and running with his quarterback to, to get a key third down. Um, but they must be a little bit aware that if Pittsburgh were to win, uh, Buffalo it may not even be in the playoffs. If you're Baltimore already locked the one seed in, and then you've already beat the crap out of Miami. And maybe there's a scenario where Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs. Do you let your foot off the gas? Is that even, is that thinking galaxy brain style? Or do you think Harbaugh's uh, well aware of what would happen if Pittsburgh won? 
I think he's aware, but I would bet that they would not like risk the health of their key guys so that Buffalo cannot get in. I mean, um, Buffalo, yes, it's likely going to be the toughest opponent for the Ravens, but if Buffalo beats Miami, they're going to be the uh, second seed and you have to play them in the championship game and a lot of stuff can happen until that. So I would bet that Harbour probably prefers his squad being healthy, well-rested, and then he will, well, he can deal with Buffalo in a couple of weeks. So they're not going to play their star pass rushers uh, when the team is down by 30 with three minutes to go um, and then lose them Sorry, both, for the, both for the year, you know? Well, you know, the, the issue too is uh, I don't think Buffalo is going to try, not just, I mean, it's supposed to be wet, it's supposed to be bad weather conditions. You're not going to put your starters out there. Uh, and get hurt too. So I think that's another reason. You know, I think that's the bigger reason than it is, you know, keeping Buffalo out. I, I don't think coaches think that way. Um, I think it's more about the injury factor for me. All right, let's let's get into the next game because we spent, uh, you know, we, we've kind of covered the basis. Houston at Indy. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, the line flipped uh, just before we went on the show. So some money came in on Houston and, and uh, in, in they are the favorite in most books. I know pinnacle uh, has minus one plus one twelve, but the money line shows you that Houston is the favorite Clark. Um, let, let's think forward thinking before we talk about this game, which team are you more optimistic about going forward in the future? Both have rookie head coaches and rookie QBs that have shown promise. The Colts are playing at this level without their guy. If their guy's any good, like th they could be a special bunch, no? Yeah, but we know that CJ Stroud is good, whereas Anthony Richardson is still a question mark and a major health concern. I mean, the way that he was running early in the year, he was taking hits. He was not running the way Lamar Jackson runs, where he's really smart about getting out of bounds or, or you know, getting to the ground or just getting hit in the side rather than the head or the you know injury legs. Anthony Richardson was running with reckless abandon. And so the two injuries that happened this year, I would expect to continue unless he changes his style. And even then he was somewhat inconsistent throwing downfield. We didn't see a level of quarterback play from him that I think we can feel confident in. Whereas what we saw from CJ Stroud was elite quarterback play. And the number one thing that matters when projecting out future years is quarterback play. Coaches matter too. And Shane Steichen has been brilliant, but I think that if you give me the, the team with the better quarterback over the team with a better coach, I feel confident in that. Uh, they also have a bunch of young skill position guys, the way Tank Dell is playing, Nico Collins. Mm -hmm. I think they've got so much to build around on offense. Um, and then they've even got some young defenders too. So this is a team that I think has room for improvement and is already the better team with a better quarterback. So so I think the Texans have the, the brighter future, especially in the short term. All right, Cleve, uh, I'll fire this question to you. Houston money came in. Do you expect that number to climb even higher? Are you buying that Houston's the more dangerous team in the market believes that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think most markets um, would assume that Houston's the better team on a neutral. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I thought that Houston would be favored, um, you know, by, by a point or two. So I was a little surprised that yesterday Indy saw some money and kind of took over. Uh, we saw last week with Will Anderson back, the defense played a lot better. They got Nico Collins and obviously Stroud back. So all of that, you know, turned, you know, gave me kind of more confidence that that Houston is the, you know, much better team here. As much as I want Indy to win for my futures equity, uh, I think, you know, you, you kind of push comes to shove. You take the, the better quarterback uh, and the better offense. I will say, I do think that the Colts, I love what Shane Steichen's done. Uh, I think he's a better coach than D'Amico Ryan's from a 
game strategy perspective and um, game management. So they do have the edge there, in my opinion. But uh, I, I'm, I'd be surprised if Houston doesn't close the favorite. Um, Suma, if you're Kansas City at the three seed or Cleveland as the five seed, you're likely going to play one of these two teams. Uh, my question is, who would you rather not see in the playoffs? I would rather not see the Texans. Um, I mean, Colts, great season. I agree everything. Uh, I agree with everything that uh, TA has, has said about Shane Steichen. But I think that at some point, Gardner Minshew is limited versus the upside with CJ Stroud in that offense. Yes, they are banked up, but I still think that the upside in the passing game is still higher. And Indy has no defense. So the Texans still have a defensive line. They are top five against the run. They can do at least something on defense combined with a with an intriguing upside in the passing game. I would absolutely prefer to play Colts if I'm either of those teams. One thing, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, it's a big um, thing to take a look at, just the type of coverages that Gus Bradley plays with the Colts. You know, he's mainly a, a cover three um, defensive coach, and that's actually uh, Stroud's a top 10 in EPA against cover three. He actually struggles the most against cover one, which the Colts play at like the lowest rate in the NFL, just for whatever it's worth. I think from that matchup perspective, the defense favors, it favors Stroud substantially here. Uh, versus some other defenses he could be playing. All right. Well, winner will get in the playoffs, but there's also a chance that they're going to win the division if Jacksonville were to fumble and lose against Tennessee. Cleve, uh, let me throw it to you. Do you expect Trevor Lawrence to play? And if so, are we getting a reduced version of Trevor Lawrence? They've also lost Jamal Agnew now for the year, and they are praying that Zay Jones will be back for this yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I would assume he's playing. I think that's what the market's assuming at this number. Um, I think it's probably high percentage, the probability. I think the market is – that's why I personally am looking at, at – to me, it's Titans or nothing. Uh, but I'm waiting because once he's officially uh, announced in, I think it might get to six. That's just my personal um, preference here. If, I, if I'm going to wait, there's no reason to take Tennessee right now unless you think that CJ Beathard is going to start. And I just don't. That's what, with the season on the line. It just it would be crazy to me if, if he doesn't. But um, yeah, I, I think he'll play. And then I think the Zay Jones, it's it's like every time he doesn't play, the offense sputters. And when he's back in, it's back to normal. And now without Agnew, like they've got no, they've got nothing behind Calvin Ridley. You've got a bunch of rookies. You've got Parker Washington out of Penn State. So they really need Zay Jones to play. Seems like he was trending. He is trending to play, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I have no idea what to expect from this Jags team. They've just been so uh, hot and cold, and they just have not lived up to expectations. And the Christian Kirk injury has really derailed them. On top of all the stuff that's going on with um, with Zay Jones and, and with Lawrence, but uh, I would expect him to play. All right, let's go to Atlanta, New Orleans. I'm going to start with you, Clark. Um, if New Orleans wins and Tampa Bay loses, New Orleans will win the division. Uh, they are favored by three now. It was uh, larger than that uh, earlier today. Um, but I want to think bigger picture. What went wrong for the Falcons this year? There was a lot of people optimistic about the Falcons. Was it coaching? Was it a quarterback problem? And uh, are they both gone next year? Or do you expect one or both of them back? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the Falcons were exactly who the market thought they were in the end. I mean, I, I bet over seven and a half wins and then I came back under eight and a half wins and they're sitting at seven with, you know, their three point dogs for, for their eighth win, which means I think they did exactly what we all expected them to do, which was win some games because they have an easy schedule, but not necessarily take the next step because they're limited at quarterback. Um, and I was really optimistic that Desmond Ritter could turn what, what he, some things he showed on tape that were good as a rookie into growth. Um, and the problem is he didn't. And, and the, the problem with Desmond Ritter is that he, is not good enough to make up for the critical mistakes he makes in the red zone and with turnovers. They just come at inopportune times, the same way Trevor Lawrence does, the same way Josh Allen does, same way Brett Favre did, Eli Manning, all these guys. The difference is those guys were making enough plays, you know, positive plays, difference-making plays, that they could justify being the starting quarterback of a franchise. And Desmond Ritter doesn't make enough of those plays. He's missing too many throws um, to make up for it. So I think the quarterback is the number one problem. When Taylor Heineke came in, he was arguably even worse than Ritter. So Heineke is not the answer. Um, I also think that the coach is a problem. <laughs> like it's not either or, it's both. Uh, I, I don't like Arthur Smith. I don't like his style of coaching. I don't like his style of interacting with people. Um, and I'm, I doubt that his players are super thrilled, you know, to, to be pumped up and playing for him. Um, so I think they probably need to make all kinds of changes in this franchise. Next year, they probably won't have as easy of a schedule to where they can look like they're a competent team by winning seven or eight games. Um, so if they just kind of stay the course and cut, try to improve as a team, I think it's going to go poorly for them. Um, so I think think this is a team that has no real bright prospects in the short term future unless they make some significant changes at quarterback um, and head coach. So that's my take. All right. <laughs> I'm going to ask Cleve about the, the future quarterback, but Suma, this, the three and a half didn't stick. Uh, even though the Saints are playing for everything, but I guess the Falcons have motivation as well. Do you think it, it stays at three? Do you see it getting under the three, or do you think some late money on the Saints comes back in? I don't see it getting under the, under the three. I think this will probably bounce between three and three and a half for now, and so we'll see what the injury situation holds. Taylor Heineke um, sounds like he's uh, for, uh, trying to play, but he was severely banged up at the end of the Bears game, so we'll see what happens there. Cleve, we're going to play everybody's favorite game. You are uh, the Atlanta Falcons GM. What do you do? Uh, do you make a play for a Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson? Do you make an aggressive play for Justin Fields? Or do you try and draft someone like Michael Penix Jr. later in the first round? So, I mean, I think what happens this week is important because if they lose, they, they'll probably be like right around 10, 8 to 10 from a draft pick perspective. If they win, yeah. like they're going to be closer to 20. So it's a pretty big, uh, big gap here. And that would change the, the math. But, you know, if they get a top 10 pick, like I don't, I think Jaden Daniels is a possibility. He's, um, you know, he skyrocketed up the boards, but he's still a, a distant third, I think, behind Drake May and Caleb Williams from a prospect standpoint. So either he can he can get to them or, you know, maybe they move up a little bit. But I think you really have to build uh, with a young quarterback if you can um, and maybe pair him up with Ryan Tannehill. If they decided to keep Arthur Smith, I'm not sure if they would, but he's a he's a good, good veteran um, who will be available that probably won't cost a ton. That I think you know can can spot start or you know uh, can help mentor um, if the quarterback's not ready if a young quarterback's not ready and I honestly think if you put Ryan Tannehill on this team like I think they might have ten wins right now <laughs> because of that schedule mainly like I really think like he's not great but he's in the you know if you list all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL he's probably around twenty 
And he would actually have a real offensive line, not the junk that he has in Tennessee right now. It's probably the worst offensive line in football. Uh, and so I think he's still very capable of winning games. Um, and like I said, pair him up with a first round quarterback. I think that that would be the route I would go. I wouldn't, I mean, Justin Fields is tempting. If you, if, if everything, if there's no ability to move up to get a top three quarterback and you don't want to go the veteran route and you wanted to give up a third round pick, you know, for, for fields, you know, I can live with that. Uh, I don't think he's the full-time, you know, the, the answer to, you know, to win a Super Bowl, but, um, you know, I, I think he would be the backup plan. Not for nothing. Uh, the Saints are probably married to Derek Carr one more year, and the Bucks look like they're going to bring back Baker, and Carolina has to give Bryce Young another year. If anything, you could start the rebuild faster and beat every team to the punch and have your guy in year three before these other teams have a chance to react. Um, I think they should go for a quarterback. Let's talk Tampa, Carolina. Suma, if the Bucks win, uh, they will be playing the Eagles or the Cowboys in round one. It's the most obvious um, home team that's going to be a dog in the playoffs. I think it was the same situation last year with Brady, uh, except they were playing the Cowboys and they were like a three or three and a half point underdog. Are we going to get a line similar or do you think it has a chance to be even bigger? Um, so I think that the way that the, that this Eagles, uh, squad has looked in recent weeks, I don't think that there would be a big line for, for them to lay on the road. Dallas, of, of course, for sure, um, above the three, probably somewhere in that, um, six -ish range, maybe for Dallas, maybe closer to minus seven, um, Eagles, I mean, they just not looking like that team that we thought going to the season. Their defense is pretty, pretty bad. I think that the Bucks offense would have a success against that defense. So I would definitely expect a decent discrepancy right now between the, the opening lines against Dallas or Philadelphia. Cleve, uh, you've you've gone to the well a couple of times on Cleve uh on Carolina this year. You're you're a brave Four man. Lines. Well, you're, you're forcing yourself to watch the game, not for nothing, and that pathetic uh, offense. Uh, any chance that you want to speculate on Carolina again this week or what? I mean, but to be fair, I was on them with Houston. They beat Houston and they beat uh, Atlanta. Yeah, no, it's not all been bad. It's not yeah, all been bad. But, I think I'm uh, about 500 back in Carolina, but it just feels like, yeah, when you're forced to watch and they don't play well like last week, I had Carolina plus seven. Like, who cares about CLV, right? Um, it, it was horrible. I don't know what to expect. I mean, they were playing better. Their defense was playing well uh, in general. So they were keeping them in all these games. And Bryce Young actually had a really good game two weeks ago. I thought, I mean, I'd be curious to hear what uh, Clark's um, take on, on his uh, game against Green Bay from a film perspective. But, you know, just final box score numbers. He had he had good numbers. His yards per attempt were at the highest all year. Uh, so I thought maybe they were trending the right way. DJ Chark had a good game. And then last week just laid a complete egg. The offensive line is a joke. Um, they're not giving him any time. Uh, now he's doing some of that. He's holding the ball a little bit lo too long, but in general, just not enough protection. I don't know what to think this week. I mean, I think the situation, you know, if you want a, a situational summa here, uh, it actually lends itself to Carolina, you know, keeping this game competitive. And it's, you know, not like Tampa is some juggernaut that will just, you know, is used to laying big numbers on the road. Um, I don't even know. Have they been favored on the road all year? I'm not sure. This might be the first time. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty big number. But uh, I think Carolina, as long as they're motivated, and again, we can't handicap. That's really hard to know. 
they should keep this game interesting, but I have no idea what to think, to be honest, because I don't, after last week's performance, like it almost looked like Carolina was shutting it down last week. So who knows uh, what they're doing this week? Uh, you would think playing spoiler would, would motivate a veteran a little bit uh, at the end of the year, but you just, you just never know. Clark, uh, it's said that at the end of a toxic relationship, um, there's mounting evidence of bad uh, situations. And yet you look for the optimistic nugget that makes you say, yeah, but sometimes things are good. Uh, Bryce Young, that comes far and few between. Uh, <laughs> why has he been uh, such a disaster? And like what coach can realistically come in and fix this guy? Or, or like is the evidence pretty strong that, this is not going to happen for him. Yeah, I've not been impressed with Bryce Young. The entire offense is broken. He, like Cleve said, he he's on, he holds onto the ball too long, and the protection is not good enough to allow him to do that. Um, part of that is his receivers are not consistently getting open. Even you know they they have a bad receiving core, and even then they've been somewhat injured in and out of the year. Their best receiver is like thirty eight years old. I know he's not really thirty eight, but. Um, so, so Bryce, the, the task has been difficult for Bryce to accomplish and he has not done well with it. Um, and what I think the problem with that is I don't see how it gets any better. They don't have their number one pick. Um, I, I don't know how they suddenly build a good offense around him to help him grow and succeed in the off season. If they're able to do that somehow through, you know, what I can't see, maybe he can improve, but I think more likely than not, the key years in his development have trended the wrong direction. And, and I think, it's very, very unlikely that Bryce Young ends up as a impactful starter in the NFL. Um, so if I'm, you know, a, a head coach candidate, this is not a team that I'm excited to uh, go into. And and to Cleve's point against Green Bay, I, I was impressed with Bryce Young's performance in that game. But uh, when you have seven bad performances and then one good performance against Joe Barry's defense, that basically says, you know, you can have all the time you want. Just just go ahead and pick us apart. We'll we'll guard your receiver with a linebacker and. Um, I, d I tend not to put too much stock in that one outcome when not paired with other positive outcomes down the stretch. So it's been pretty much a downhill slide for him since like week six or so. Um, so I'm not optimistic about Bryce Young. Okay, let's move on to Minnesota, Detroit. Uh, Detroit's path to the two seed is win and then need a Dallas and Philly loss. Dan Campbell comes out and says, I'm playing my starters in the game and the market reacts a little and goes to five and a half. And then, uh, the market came back and said, ah, actually, you know what? Uh, let's take some Minnesota. The line's down to three. Is this a case of we don't believe you, Dan? Or is it a case of if Detroit's up by 10, fourth quarter, eight minutes to go, starters probably coming out just to make sure everybody's safe and then maybe Minnesota has a backdoor opportunity. Uh, what do you make of the, the line movement in the in this game? So remind me, uh, what does Detroit need? Uh, do they need anything or is it, are they locked in? They need a win and then a Dallas and Philly loss. The problem is they play uh, at yeah. one o'clock and the right. other two play at four o'clock. Um, so they're that, technically motivated. It's just very highly unlikely. But doesn't Dan Campbell stri strike you as a guy who would play as starters week 18, no matter what? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that that to me, so that, that's why it's hard. Uh, and again, some of these coaches will say that early in the week, and then maybe by Thursday or Friday, they'll kind of, you know, maybe they'll crack a little bit and yeah, say, all right, this it's two it. series. It's not the whole game. We're going to come out yeah. for two series. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I could see that being the case, but you know, I don't know. It's really hard to handicap. It's it's much easier when you have historical pre precedent, like a, a Sean McVay 
or a Kyle Shanahan who have done some of these things in the past, or even Andy Reid who always sits guys week 18, right? Um, like there's there's precedent with a lot of this stuff, but the, uh, Dan Campbell does not have that. So, you know, you know, maybe one way to look at it, I'm just thinking now top of my head, you know, he's a, he's a Sean Payton guy. Um, do we know if Sean Payton historically has done stuff like this? Um, Bill Parcells, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe we're going back too far. But that's one way to, if you're trying to dissect and try to figure out the puzzle, going back to those type of connections could, could be a way to do that. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, someone might know something if, if the line just all of a sudden uh, popped, um, may have insider information on that. I'm not sure. Uh, I do have a Detroit contact. I can maybe uh, see if I, I can find out anything, but uh, I, I'm just, I'm in the, in the dark in that, in that case. Um, you know, maybe, um, yeah, I just don't, I don't have an answer because I haven't really looked at it. It's pretty recent. So, you know, uh, it's hard, it's hard to know. And I don't even know who Minnesota's starting. Are they starting Jaron Hall? Cause I, I'll, I'll take a preseason defense against Jaron Hall at this point. And, uh, you know, are they starting Nick Mullins and uh, Nick Mullins could actually move the ball, even though he'll turn it over, he can move the ball. So I think that matters too. I mean, that's, I think those guys are, I mean, that's probably a two to three point gap between Hall and Mullins. So I think that matters too. All right, Suma, uh, you are high on Minnesota. Um, and if not for Kirk Cousins' injury, I think Minnesota's probably in the playoffs and have played really well. Um, what do you think they do QB-wise next year? Do they run it back with Cousins? Is he going to be ready week one? Do you draft someone? Like, if you're trying to get inside the mind of Quezzy, where do you think he goes? Because uh, I'm perplexed with what Minnesota ends up doing. Yeah, me, me too. Um, I, th I think that he will be ready for week one. Achilles injuries, he had it in, I think, mid of November. Um, so that would be eight, nine, nine and a half months, I, I think. For a quarterback, that's a lot easier to, to, to come back from because you don't have all the sudden movements for, uh, as like wide receivers or cornerbacks, for instance. So I think Cousins uh, will be fine week one, but I still believe that this is the point where the Vikings have to go a different route in terms of quarterback. Um, tr try to get some in the draft, maybe pair him with a veteran bridge quarterback and see what happens throughout the summer. Start who, whoever you feel comfortable with. But I think it, it's really time for them to get younger at the position and maybe look for a future outside of Kirk Cousins. And I, I think if, if that's the case, I think Kirk Cousins will would still have a decent market next summer. All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to put these two games together: Dallas at Washington, Philly at the Giants. Um, if Dallas wins, they win the division. Uh, if Dallas loses and Philly wins, they win the division. If they both lose, Dallas wins the division. Clark, Dallas is favored by 13 in this game. Uh, there's a chance for inclement weather. Uh, Washington is sitting with the second overall pick. They're probably. I know the ownership doesn't want them to win this game. Um, is this over? Is this an overinflated uh, price, or, or do you think this is fair for given the circumstances? It's definitely inflated. I mean, all you have to do is look at the 49ers were favored by 13 and a half when they were projected to start Jacoby Brissett, and then the Cowboys open as 13 and a half point favorites. Uh, so I don't think the Cowboys are equal to the 49ers in anyone's book or even close. So I think the line is inflated. The question is whether or not that's justified. Um, based on the level of effort that Washington put forth last week, uh, if they replicate that, then I don't see a reason why the line would be so big. They were trying hard. They were hitting 
they were playing like every player out there was playing hard. Um, and so I don't know about this whole like, well, now that it's week 18, maybe they give up on on Ron Rivera. Um, I, I don't like Ron Rivera as a head coach. I'm, I don't know that he uh, is, is having a positive impact on the field, but this is not a depleted roster. This is a roster of players that can play football. Their secondary sucks. Um, you know, their, their defense is de- definitely exploitable. But when you have a huge spread like this, you know, like are the Cowboys going to keep passing deep when they're up by 13 points? Um, you know, I, I doubt it. And Washington's offense is, is a type of offense that can come to life in garbage time, although they did struggle to get in the end zone against the 49ers. So uh, I, do, I do ultimately think the line is is too inflated. But um, at the same time, if, if it's uh, Sam Howell again, uh, then I could understand why people would expect the Washington Commanders to, to cu- come out flat in this game. All right. Suma, Dallas is likely the two seed. They might be playing Green Bay or the Rams or Seattle. or Min- They have a lot of different opponents they could play. Who is the one that would scare them the most? Who's the one team they do not want to see round one? Uh, I think probably every team with a decent upside on offense because that I think we can call that Dallas defense like a mid-tier unit. Like, yes, they will always have the games where their pass rush can get extremely hot and Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence with an incredible game against the Lions can get hot. But overall, they are one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. They are not great against the pass. Yes, they have been at, at the beginning of the season, but they are really maybe slightly above average against the pass with a downside swing in, in, in recent weeks. They cannot defend the run whatsoever. They had issues against almost every t- and every uh, offense with a pulse in, in recent weeks. And just imagine like Seattle moved the ball at will on them. Uh, I mean, it would be a super tough road game for Jordan Love, first first playoff road start, super young wide receivers. Uh, I would not trust them to to be really super competitive over 60 minutes. But I mean, this is the kind of offense like if Matt LaFleur is is in his bag, like I don't think that Dallas has the the, the defense to to really shut them down. Pass protection is uh, very decent for Green Bay, so. If Matt LaFleur is in his bag and uh, they can run the ball and use all their play action off of it, like I, I would be scared if if I was the, the Dallas defense, even though I still don't think that it would be a super great spot for such a young offense. All right, uh, Cleve, Philly is favored by five. This is like one of the few cases where a team needs a win and the money's coming against them or at least uh, – Nobody's looking to back Philly. Is this like a rare case of Philly goes into the halftime, sees Dallas is up by 20, and then says, all right, let's pull our guys. If that is the case, do you think people would be better off backing Philly maybe as a first half bet as opposed to a full game bet? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think given the options for sure, although I haven't looked, I would assume that's priced in already. Uh, I'm sure it's not two and a half right now at first half. It's probably closer to the, the four or five number, um, if I had to guess. But um, uh, I think that uh, Philly is one you of can get, you, you can get at Pinnacle minus three, minus 101, and two and a half minus 120 for oh, first okay. half. Okay, so it's not totally priced in. Um, so it's not bad. If, if you're gonna if you're looking to Philly, uh, I guess that's the way you'd go. Uh, but yeah, Philly is one of the 
obviously most forward thinking uh, front offices analytically focused. So they're smart. They, they know that they know what the win probabilities are. Uh, they've known that for a while. So that's in the back of their head. And they know that the, the risk of injury is way higher than the upside of, um, you know, uh, getting the, the division. So, uh, and I'm sure they're not like shaking in their boots to having to play at Tampa or the saints. So really the, it's not like you're going to Buffalo on the other side. It's not that big of a, a deal. So I don't think it really matters to them. So they, they may they may set guys before the game. It may not even be a first half, second half thing. So, um, you know, I, especially with the Devonta Smith injury, like there's no way he's going to play. Uh, mm. I can't imagine. He came out with a walking boot. I don't care if it's a mild sprain. Like you do not put him out there. Again, this is another game that could have snow and, and, and wet conditions. Uh, in New York, m- mind you, the worst field in the, in the NFL. And that's another reason, right? Like why would you play anybody here? Um, with, with that, with, with that field that has been known to, uh, tear Achilles tendons and, uh, and, and have multiple injuries, you know, your team had to feel that. Right. So, yeah, I think that the fact that this is five is, is telling you that there's a, a high probability of, of some level of resting guys. And quite honestly, that five might be too high. So, um, is this, yeah, is this the, uh, is this the obligatory uh, Rashad Penny out of nowhere 156 yard rushing game uh, when he's finally active? Because it feels like this is the spot, right? Boston Scott, anytime touchdown, hot bet last week, hot bet this week. All right, two more games. And this one has probably been the most talked about in the chat. Chicago, Green Bay. Um, Suma, Green Bay was a roller coaster. Uh, at times this season, they've kind of built a lot of momentum aside from one or two strump uh, stumbles in the second half of the season. Um, Chicago's been one of the better frisky teams now since probably week five or six. The number is like teetering between three and 3.25. Do you think we get to a full three and a half? Do you think uh, people will want to back Chicago as soon as they know for sure the starters are in? Where do you see this line going and developing? So we have been there for like one minute earlier today and uh, market moved towards three and a half and they got immediately smashed back. Like there was like super high resistance at three and a half. I, I would not expect that to get to a three and a half and stay there. I think there will be too much of an appetite for the bears. Um, um, like this is the Bears Super Bowl, correct? Like, even if they even if they have zero chance of reaching the playoffs, this is their Super Bowl going into Lambeau Field. Like all the stuff that happened, they got blown out in in Week One. They were the laughing stock of the NFL, trying to turn Justin Fields into a pocket passer. And then now all of a sudden they are on a little hot streak. Their defense is playing well. Justin Fields is playing much better. They, they got, got a run game like this has to be from a motivational angle their absolute Super Bowl of the season just trying to to, to spoil their um, rivals playoff hopes and um, I mean if you look at that Packers defense with Joe Barry and you think about all the stuff that the Bears offense can do on offense like the run game Justin Fields passing game has been working like I would be extremely afraid if I was a Packers supporter, Packers fan with that defense in this spot against Justin Fields and company. So um, I can totally understand why there was appetite for the Bears at three and a half. I think this is a super tough matchup for the Packers. Um, There's also still dealing with injuries on offense. Christian Watson 
this is a typical timeline for a hamstring injury where he could be back. But the Packers yeah. are one of those teams. They are super conservative with their players. Like if there was the slightest doubt that someone could have a high re-injury risk, they will not put them out. So I would not bank on Christian Watson being bad. Uh, back and uh, so this is a still a young offense yes john Love has been playing very well but they're going to go against a super uh tough uh, bears defense and yeah i think it comes down to the other side for me i i, I would be scared to death um we're looking at this joe barry defense defending the the, the bears dual threat rushing attack do we know Clark. is jalen johnson playing do you guys sorry not to interrupt do you, have oh. you guys heard anything he left the game last week yeah. And so he's, did Jalen he's a guy Green. contract here, right? So is he going to play this week? Not sure yet. I guess Wednesday's okay. practice report. I mean, Jaden Reed also left the game, so he's Just another one to watch. So there's some injuries to be watching. Preston Smith. Um, Clark, is it weird to say that not only do I feel uh, worried and vulnerable about the Packers in this game, but I'm also optimistic against them against Dallas, Philly, or Detroit? Like, this is who this team is, right? The highs are high and the lows can be low. And that's just the reality of Green Bay, right? Exactly. They're they're the type of team that can beat good teams and lose to bad teams. And we, we've seen it so many times this year. They they went on a run against what was it, the Chiefs and the Chargers. I guess the Chargers aren't good now, but and, Chargers, and Lions. Chiefs, and then Lions. Lions, yeah. right? Uh, but then they lost to like really bad teams. And so that happens when you have a sort of high variance quarterback who's willing to throw the ball downfield. Like he will chuck it anytime he sees any opening. Um, and so when that's clicking, you can beat even good defenses doing that. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, the defense is their, their biggest liability, but just because of the way that football works, sometimes even good offenses can fail against bad defenses because uh, a fumbled snap, uh, a holding penalty that forces a first and 20, a dropped pass on a third down on a guy that was wide open. There's all kinds of ways that offenses can fail that have nothing to do with the quality of the defense. And so if, if they get into a game against a better team and that better team has a bad day on offense, they're the type of offense that can make them pay for that and punish them and win as an underdog in the playoffs. So I, that, that's why I want to see the Packers in the playoffs. And I do think they're live. The one thing I will say Jordan loves four best games have come with a healthy Aaron Jones. And uh, the last two weeks, Aaron Jones has been healthy again. Uh, Cleve, this one got a lot of uh, traction in the chat. It's the big question with the Bears. What do they do with the pick? Jeremy Fowler from ESPN says his league sources forecast that the Bears probably get a two or three for Justin Fields. I think it's a two or a two plus. Um, and then the Bears would obviously get way more than the Bryce Young package, even potentially from a team picking in the top five. Cleve, do you trade that first overall pick, move down a few slots, get Marvin Harrison Jr. and build around Fields? Or do you draft the QB, trade Fields, take your second, and then use your other picks to build around Caleb Williams or Drake May? Uh, I take a quarterback one, call it Caleb Williams just for fun. And then I take fields and my first round pick and I move up and try to get Harrison. Can I, can I do that? Yeah. That well, you great. can, you could probably <laughs> call Atlanta, right? If they lose and say, Hey, yeah. uh, Justin Fields and our pick in the 15th, 18th range for your eight or nine. And then from That's there, probably not good enough for Harrison, but yeah. 
Yeah, then you're then you're probably still another trade away. It also depends on how much New England picking third loves Jaden Daniels. Because if they yeah. go one, two, then Arizona is going to take Marvin Harrison. It's hard, but this is this is a really good receiver draft. Uh, the, the the guy from right. Washington is probably the second or third best receiver. And Deion Coleman's good too for for Florida yeah. State. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like I'm an Ohio State guy, so I like Fields, but I don't think he's your franchise quarterback. I just like he does exciting things. He can make plays. He can keep it competitive. Like, is he the guy that for the next decade is going to be in the, you know, deep in the playoffs every year and win you a Super Bowl? I just don't see it. Uh, I just, and especially with running quarterbacks, like that falls off in a hurry. And then what do you have? So, like, if, if he is going to be successful, it's going to be really short term uh, until, you know, things happen with his legs. So, I personally think you just get get as much as you can for the asset. Um, you know, if it's a second or third round pick, like I said, if you if you needed to move up uh, from where you're currently picking uh, on top of the number one pick, then I think that's a really good move. But I think you just you got to take your quarterback at one. Um, I wonder how the the GM. I wonder how Ryan Poles is feeling that they're winning all these games late because his his job was a lot easier like a month ago. Like he yeah. easily could have just moved on, right? If the Bears had lost and, a games. And Fields is winning the crowd over, like they're chanting. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is the wrong decision. That that's where the problem lies. Like, and I guess with polls, it's if you make that trade and then you you draft a Caleb Williams or, or a, 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 a Drake May, and they they end up having you know looking like Bryce Young, and then I mean you're out of the job anyway. But if you keep Fields and you're just a, a seven or eight win team every year, you're out of job anyway. Like yeah. just just go with your quarterback that you, you know, you inherited fields. It wasn't your pick. So go with the quarterback that you are, you're picking yourself and you lay it on the line. I mean, you have so many, so many assets and they got it. Their defense went from the worst in the NFL to one of the best out of nowhere. Like that was impressive. And they've got some good young talent. Um, they could still use, you know, um, some guys uh, on the offensive line, especially. Uh, so if they don't move up for receiver, just st- stay there, take the best old lineman, um, to go with your your number one quarterback, and then you know, yeah, if you get a second or third round pick for Fields, I think that's you know, it's one of those things that might end up being like you know uh, a third that turns into a second based on incentives. Like there's all these you know different milestones. There's all these different ways to do it. You could swap later round picks and get a higher second. Like there's different ways to do it. I think there's going to be a market for Fields, so uh, that's the way I would do it. But again, these GMs and these front office guys. You know, you've got, you know, fans and local, you know, local media and everyone kind of on one side. If they're all on fields aside, it does make it harder because ownership does care about uh, fan perception. Like that's that, you know, as bad as it sounds, that is part of the process and that's how they think. So it's not as simple as like a fantasy football trainer. Well, um, Nathan in the comments says, Jaden Daniels at three is a reach. And Nathan, I got news for you. If you think a guy could be your franchise quarterback, three is not a reach. And uh, if someone falls in love with him, uh, we could see a one, two, three. Uh, New England needs a quarterback and they'll be picking third. Um, Okay. Save the best game for last. Um, The NFL scheduled it. So I have maximum torture on Sunday. Uh, I will be sick to my stomach until the game starts. And then... Then, you know, when you feel a little bit of easiness of how the game will f- play out, you get a little bit more optimistic. I have no idea what to make of this game. Um, and let's start off, Cleve. We'll start with you. Buffalo opens up as a three-point favorite. Uh, 
I don't know. This line doesn't make sense if Tua doesn't play. Um, but I understand like the optimism around Buffalo right now and the desperation. And frankly, Miami is banged up. It's, it's kind of gross uh, what we've been going through for two months. Do you see Miami money coming in the second we know Tua's playing, or do you think this sticks at three? Yeah, I think the yeah. If once you get confirmation that Tua's playing, I think this maybe ticks down to two and a half. That's just you know. Just my thinking. I I was surprised when I saw the three, but again, there there are so many injuries. But it's not like the Bills are playing well. <laughs> like they they looked terrible last week. They could have lost to the Chargers two weeks ago. Um, you know they really haven't. It's like you want Buffalo. They looked awesome against Dallas, but you know outside of that, it's they've had some some you know major issues. It's not like they're a dominant team. Their defense is playing a lot better. Um, but you know, I, I don't think like Bradley Chubb on his own or Zayman Howard on his own is, is moving this line a couple points. So it's it's clearly a a Tua number. Um, and I would suspect he's gonna play, right? Like maybe do do they sit him and just take the risk and say that uh you know we'll just go, we'll just see in the playoffs. Like you gotta go at Kansas City probably, but um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 like I don't know how bad the shoulder injury is. So if, if he plays, I don't think this is three. There's that's for sure. There's no way you can get to three. But if uh, we don't bench, uh, if we don't bench our stars uh, in blowouts with three minutes to go, then I don't, I'm not optimistic. Mike McDaniel understands the importance of not having great guys on the field in meaningless games. Suma, uh, how dangerous is Buffalo if they're the two seed? Should be should they be favored? They won't be favored going into Baltimore if they played hypothetically in an AFC Championship game. But if you're creating Super Bowl odds, should Buffalo be considered? Uh, the favorite over Baltimore or no, they've got an extra game and Baltimore has two home games. How, how, how would you rank them if Buffalo were able to get that two seed? Yeah. And still Baltimore one and uh, Buffalo second, I think Buffalo, <laughs> it's very interesting. Like their defense has gotten much better since that mid season slump. Um, Dequan Jones is back. He has been one of the best defensive tackles until that London game where he, I, th I think he tore his pectoral. I don't remember correctly. Safety rotation is getting healthy. They needed some time to gale at, at cornerback. I think, I think Russell Douglas was a phenomenal addition. Uh, Benford and Terran Johnson are, are still playing well. Terrell Dodson has been a, a major surprise at, um, at, at linebacker for them after Matt Milano went down. So I think this is a, a very scary defense, not in the sense that they can take over games or something, but I think that they are very stable. They have some depth up front. They have a decent secondary. So their defense is good enough to hang in, in, in these playoff games. And their offense, I mean, yes, they have been playing very poorly, especially Josh Allen through the air. But the question is, like, do you believe that's really like what's what what we should expect going forward? Because that's not been there for the entire season. Their run game got better. Offensive line is is okay, but I I still think that this offense still has a very very decent baseline and. As soon as things start to click on on offense a, a little bit more, you are probably looking at a decent playoff defense with a uh, off uh, with, with an offense with a supernova at quarterback who can get hot like in in like any given in any given week. Yes, the shoulder injury might be some concern, but I it doesn't sound like we should be really concerned midterm during the playoffs. So, I mean. I think this that this team is very, very dangerous because I, I I still think that 
their offense will somehow get closer to to that point that that we used to know about them. There are some people holding some outrageous futures prices on Buffalo. I think this is one where like sharp squares, everybody saw the price and like, obviously we have to take Buffalo here. And that ticket could be meaningless at 1130 on Sunday night, just because of how the schedule unfolds. Clark, if Miami were to lose, they'd be the sixth seed going into Kansas City. Who do you like in that scenario? Where do you see the line going and who do you like in that matchup? I don't know if you know this, George, but uh, Miami has not played well against good teams this year. Um, <laughs> when they when they first played Buffalo, uh, they you know completely no showed, and at, to that point, it was like, okay, well, Miami can beat bad teams, but can they beat good teams? And since then, every time they've had the opportunity to answer, they've failed, with one exception against the Cowboys, um, and that involved you know some you know back fumbling on the goal line, things like that. But they they did win; it was a good win. But their net point differential against playoff teams this year is negative 84. And so it's not been pretty. And I don't think that they could justifiably be anything. I don't think they can be pick them in Kansas City. I don't. I think it would have to be at least minus three for Kansas City. Um, just because going on the road, that would also mean that they lost this game to the Bills. So, you know, what do we learn about how the injuries impact them moving forward? We might you know, slightly downgrade them for that. Um, you've got the whole Patrick Mahomes at home in the playoffs. Like I know that he hasn't looked good. The offenses look bad, um, but he does have that sort of killer instinct that goes into overdrive during the playoffs that could be enough at the margins for them to win. So uh, I would definitely favor the chiefs at home against Miami, especially considering that would mean they lost to the bills. I don't have a ton of optimism for Miami going deep. If they start the playoffs as the sixth seed. You know, it was uh, Monday Night Football, December 12th. It was my birthday, and the Miami Dolphins were 14-point favorites against Tennessee, and they were up by 14 with five minutes to go. And had we won, we would be the two-seed, and I wouldn't even care about this game today. And George, you know what the downfall was? I think you declared um, after I, they I, beat uh, – I, I, I blame you. You declared a lot I of do, things I a do. few weeks please, ago. Please. That was the first time I, I was I opened my mouth up about Miami because I assumed I counted all the easy wins and then I considered Dallas Baltimore coin flips were like just win one and were there. And I, I guess I overlooked uh Mike Vrabel, who like for three years has been giving it to me uh in the backside, uh, because I on paper I don't like Tennessee's roster and somehow they rise to the occasion. Like Tennessee objectively has looked like shit for six weeks but they found magic one week on that monday night football like they're awful right like tennessee hasn't looked like they had a pulse in in months one week is too generous it was more like two minutes yeah it was two <laughs> one thing george yeah did you say you opened your mouth about miami for the first time that week I was for the I, first I was, time. I was controlled, Suma. I when we were six and one, seven and one, or, or whatever the hell we were, I wasn't I wasn't over the top. You know, it's that one time I threw the hat on. I, I got excited. I said I said it's 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 time. And I blame myself. It was bad karma, bad juju. You know, there's a lot of people. Blame the bourbon. Was, Can you just blame yeah. bourbon? Uh, <laughs> that's a cause of a lot of blame including new year's and how i felt yesterday guys thank you so much for this all-star show uh maybe we'll do this again in the playoffs because i know we're going to be special programming come playoffs because there's no way we can do five games of content on uh five days of content on four or five games a week but uh i'd like to do this again thank you guys for your time
As a reminder, Forward Progress will be back again tomorrow at 2 o'clock with our prediction and pick show. Rob Pozzola, Eric Igersuma, and Hitman giving you their best bets and breaking down games from a betting perspective. That's it for me. Before you go, smash the like button. Hit subscribe. We got to pass Joey Kanish so we can throw it in his face. I don't know what that text says, uh, Clark. Is it anything positive or negative about Miami? You got to read it to me. I can barely. It I can barely. George, it says. It says me to George. Titans win outright, and then George laughing emoji. Two are gonna light that secondary up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Clark will not be here next week. <laughs> thanks to Cleve. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to Clark. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time, go Dolphins. Let's bet them.